looking to reduce your energy bills, Global Eco Energy install renewable energy products to domestic, commercial and public sector customers. With a wide range of renewable energy products, including solar PV, battery storage and air source heat pumps, we offer bespoke solutions. For a free quote and to find out more about grants and funding options, go to global-eco.co.uk and quote Solar 10 for 10% off your installation. Available until 30th September 2023. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. A tailored service where each code is created with the best products and a fair price, no upfront costs. Let's go! And welcome to the show and we are just 24 hours away from the big one. Scotland against England. It's a friendly, really... Uh, amidst Scotland's attempts at uh, putting the final touches to qualification for Euro 2024 Germany next summer. The travel plans are already uh, in great shape. There's going to be a big chunk of Scotland, Stephen McGinn, I would imagine, uh, is going to be in Germany next summer, including you, I would, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people out there are starting to take advantage of the free cancellation with Booking.com and <laughs> different parts of Germany because... I know it's mathematically not done, but I think uh, we've got the job done now. It's a significant result on Friday night. So so comfortable, so unlike us, but um, it just shows where, where the team's got to at this moment. For a commercial radio station, we should say other travel booking <laughs> arrangements are available. And of course, Peter Grant, you made your Scotland debut against England. It'll bring it all back tomorrow night, won't it? Yeah, it's fabulous. What a game, you know. And there's no such thing as a friendly, that's for sure. You, you always want to get one over your old adversary as they call it and I think there'll be no different tomorrow night even though it's not a game for points wow it's brilliant mm. to beat England any time and there's no getting away from that and I'm sure the boys will all want to do it and Steve will want to continue this because you don't want criticism of saying oh we changed the team too much all this sort of stuff even though guys deserve games of course because they turn up all the time I think it's important you go there you can change it during it you know these boys want to be part of it the boys have done so well they want to play as many games as they possibly can and they'll be desperate to play against England. It's going to be fascinating, Stephen. Um, all these games coming up, actually. Spain, the next game against Spain, there's a friendly against France as well. England tomorrow night. How do Scotland compare? Because uh, we do feel with a bit of justification that we are rising up those rankings. Yeah, well, earned the right. I think we've been in the top groups for the, for the Nations League. So it's the type of game that's going to come quick, uh, quick and fast. And I think just, just off the back of Friday... We seem to be making these games quite comfortable. Um, three 0 home and away to Cyprus. Uh, you know the the Georgia game obviously took a long time, almost like an American football length of time <laughs> to get to get it over the line, but it was pretty comfortable. So it is time for this this current group, this this current team, to challenge himself against the best in in Europe heading into the tournament next year. So really excited to to see his line up tomorrow night and. It's a long time since we've beaten England and I don't think we'll ever get as good a chance as we've got going into this game tomorrow. What are you thinking about changes? Such a dilemma, as I said, if it's any other game, I think um, Friday was as close to Steve Clark's best team as he'll ever get um, in terms of everyone being available, he had the full selection from the full squad. I think if everyone's fit, that would be the team that starts the tournament next summer, uh, assuming everyone's still in form. So it's a real dilemma, it's against England, we've not beaten them for a long time, a packed crowd, such a huge occasion, there'll be that temptation to to just roll with it and go with the best team again, same team, but at the same time, that, that challenge of being loyal to the ones that have been great for them over the last few years, there's a lot of players on the bench on Friday that have played a lot of games, big moments for, for Scotland 
guys like Nathan Patterson, Christy, Armstrong could go through it all. So it is a bit of a dilemma for Steve Clark and very interested to see how he goes about it. The thing, the thing about that, Rob, is but you'll find it's not really down to Steve as well because the clubs have got such a big play now phoning you up managers asking you could you leave this one out because we've got this game coming up and I, I found it really strange mm -hmm. you know because they talk about the, the day's recoveries the amount of recovery they need and all this sort of thing and it was picked on that you'd actually end up picking the team on that I'm not sure who's got the say on this and that's what we've got to be careful in Steve's maybe as I say clubs have said to him Listen, could you leave John McGinn out? He's played so many minutes now. Mm -hmm. We need him. Or could you play him for just 45 minutes? And I felt during our period, they were a lot more stronger than they should have been allowed to be, the clubs were. It's, if you turn up for your national team, that's the most important. And if you're going to play 290 minutes within two days each other, so what? That's part of life. That's who you represent. And it's the biggest accolade you could get. So sometimes that can be the reason mm -hmm. people think, well, there's a strange selection here or there. But that was down to... I felt the clubs saying that the players couldn't do it. So how much did you take that on board? Club but pressure? Well, there was no option because if the players got injured in it, you'd to pay their wages. Yeah. And it's not as if you're paying them £10 a week now. You know what I mean? So if you've got to pay their wages for the period of time they're out, I felt that was massive. I mean, we would, for instance, we would turn up, and Stephen will know, we'd turn up on a Sunday with the boys and most of them, the first training session we would have with them, the all training, it was the Wednesday afternoon. The Wednesday afternoon, with all the players available to train if they weren't injured, was a Wednesday afternoon. But then we'd be playing on the Thursday. So you'd have them all together, but it'd be video stuff or wee bits and bobs here and there, certain parts of it. But you couldn't do a full, complete training session with everyone because somebody would be maybe playing on the Sunday, so they needed a two-day recovery because that's what they do at their clubs. But if they pulled up any injuries, unfortunately, SFA's got to pay the bill, you know, and that, that is a dreadful situation to be in. And unfortunately for us... I didn't enjoy that part of it one bit. I thought it was really poor. Mm. Because I remember when I was, you're talking about the games I was involved in, we played on the Saturday a really tough game at Petaudry or whatever. We were training on the Sunday for the national team. <laughs> and I mean a full yeah. session. Then you had your Monday, then you had your Tuesday, then you'd play your game on the Wednesday. Now all of a sudden the boys weren't doing it. And the interesting thing is if you get the second game coming quickly, how can you possibly give two days recovery? Because the second game comes very, very yeah. quickly. And that, that was a big problem. I thought it was strange. When I was involved with the national team, that was the one part of it I genuinely didn't like because you could never get the time to be on the training field as much as you did. I'm not sure, you know, getting into a friendly match if that's going to be kicking in as well, but I'm sure that's still a problem. Yeah, I can't imagine Stevie Clark welcoming that phone call too much, Stephen, uh, from a club manager saying, uh, can you maybe just give my guy the last 20 minutes or not play him at all? Or No, um, you, you, would, you would hope that it's the club's respect how tough a job these international managers have and how important the games are at. Anyone going to this game tomorrow is going to be an amazing atmosphere. It's going to be fierce. I don't think it'll be played like a friendly. It might make some clubs a bit nervous thinking about some of the challenges and the way the game's going to be played. But what you want to see tomorrow is you want to see Scotland's best versus England's best. And for the first time in a long time, we, we are quite confident we can do the business. It's the 150th anniversary of the first ever uh, Scotland uh, against England. Uh, Stephen says, yes, it's a friendly, uh, but in a sense, it's never going to be a friendly. Here, here's the gaffer. I think you just sum it up forever. It's been 150 years in the making, so always good games, always competitive games. Uh, modern era, certainly in, the last, in my lifetime, England have probably moved a little bit further in front. We're trying to close the gap on them. 
and we'll find out tomorrow how much we've closed that gap. Yeah, it's intriguing, Peter, isn't it? It's going to be really, even in a friendly, because it's not going to be a friendly because there's there's one-upmanship going on here, isn't there? And Scotland will feel, as he says, that they've closed the gap. I'd listen, 100%. And listen, the amount of money they put into down south, you know, the training facilities, George's Park, everything has been rammed at that for the youngest age groups, building all these players to get them where they are now. And there's no doubt about that when... They don't win World Cups and they don't win European Championships. The pressure mounts and mounts and mounts because of the amount of money it's put into it. Now they're going to be a bit of a comeback with the likes of what's happened in Saudi Arabia, you know, taking some of their players. But you've got to think that's the Premier League because they were paying all the big money now. Now they're losing players. So internationally you're thinking, well, I don't want one of my best players going to Saudi Arabia but they're going to be offered the X, Y and Z amount of money because they've built this with all the youngsters you're right down at St George's Park all the way through. I mean, they get everything done from them. There is not one thing they don't get done. And it's night and day between them and Scotland. There is absolutely no doubt. I mean, I was down there for 27 years, as I keep saying, and I've seen it just growing and growing now. But it's just snowballed so massively. You know, the, the amount of work it goes in, but the players get lifted and laid and everything. The only thing they do is put their boots on to represent their country because everything else is taken care of and the best of stuff. So there's been no stone unturned for them. So when they come up here, if I'm wanting to be playing against them, the one thing I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'd be brilliant to turn them over. You know, and I would take the manager to name the team and I wasn't in it, no matter mm. what anybody else is saying. Because take the word friendly out of it completely, it's Scotland versus England. <laughs> yeah. That is the bottom line. And everybody, for the rest of your days, people will talk to you, you said to me earlier on, you made your debut against England. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm saying, yeah, but that, that was brilliant, I played against England. You know, well, I realise that now. But people talk to you about it all the years, years later because it was England. If it had been anybody else, probably wouldn't have said it as often. But because it was England, people remember that. And what a fantastic way for these guys if they go in and put a performance and get a result, whether it's that word-friendly or not, it's always won over England and that's the most important thing. Peter was talking there, Stephen, about how much has poured into the England setup, how amazing it is in terms of everything being done. I'm trying to remember who it was that was speaking. Was it your brother, John? or One of the one of the Scotland players was speaking the other night and talking about how that had changed radically with Scotland. I'm not suggesting that it's anything like the England setup, but I think that's improved all the, all the, all the little things behind the scenes that make a, a player feel comfortable and wanted. Yeah, well, the, the group and uh, Steve Clark. They, they were they wanted to make a few changes. They wanted to change, change the training base. Um, they wanted to move the hotel back to Glasgow. Um, and the SFA have backed them for that. So the players are doing the business on the park, but they are getting looked after off the park. And they feel that the standards and the way they're treated and the way the group is, it's um, in a much better place. Everyone enjoys where they're staying now better. And the new facilities, new training facilities at Queen's Park, they say is top drawer. But they're going up against a team, not only the the money, that infrastructure that England have got, but they're playing against Bayern Munich's main striker. They're playing against Real Madrid's main man at the minute, Jude Bellingham. Uh, Declan Rice has just gone for £100 million. So this is an unbelievable challenge for, for our boys going into the game. And a lot of our players play against uh, the Premiership boys on a regular basis. I think even when you're, when you're looking at a team on Friday and you're thinking about the subs coming on, guys like Patterson, Christie, they're actually week in, week out playing in the English Premiership. And it was only five, ten years ago when you're looking at where the players are coming from and maybe picking from John at the time was in the Scottish Championship. It's just this group's just kept getting better and better and we're just in a real good place. So as much of a challenge it is with how what England have got at their disposal, they'll really respect uh, this Scotland team going into the game tomorrow. It's the evolution of a football team um, and it has been incredible over recent years. Uh, a dramatic 
transformation. Uh, can Scotland beat England tomorrow night? We shall see. Um, 0808 17 17 700 if you want to join the football chat. And Stephen uh, with a V does want to join the football chat. Hi, Stephen. Good afternoon, folks. How is the panel tonight? Uh, good, Stephen. Thank you. All, all well. How are you, Stephen? I've been feeling a bit better the last time I was on your show because what I was actually thinking there is Scotland have actually beat two of the biggest teams that I would say in, in the Euros, Spain and Norway. And they can pack their bags and their passports because they're going, they're going to the Euros in 2024. And I generally believe they could actually get to the final. As for the game tomorrow, this, this is just a formality for Steve Clark's boys. He'd mentioned all these top England players. 50 million, 100 million. What's a Scotland team worth today? You're on about Harry Kane and all them. You've got McTonnelly and McGinn and all them and McGregor and the rest of the young lads in there. Yeah. I genuinely believe the only but one to come to Hamden Park tomorrow, England. They'll be shaking it in their shoes. And see, after tomorrow night's uh, dribbing, I think that Scotland team will put five past them. I think we've found them. I think, we've, I think, we've I think they'll wipe the, the floor with them. I think we've found them. England, do the England team talk for tomorrow night. England's a sp- England's a spent, fo- is a spent force. A spent They're force? Finished. finished. Now I really think this, this is Steve Clark has brought this feel-good factor. He's done what previous managers should have done, was bring in the youngins and gave them a chance. And I must thank the SFA, the SPFL, everyone who's in charge of the Scottish football for no, for no pressing the panic button when they first came. They stood by him and looked look what that man's delivered. They'll, they'll be cherishing that tomorrow night. They'll be loving that game tomorrow night. And they'll go into that park and they'll play a bit of passion. They'll fly with a Scotland. And that England Gareth, they'll all be running back to that central station on that train and gone. <laughs> we should, have, we should have the pipes playing underneath <laughs> us, shouldn't we? That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a rallying, it's a rallying cry. I know exactly, Stephen. Let me get some reaction in here to some of your comments because uh, you've come out with quite a few there. Uh, let's start with England being a spent force, Peter Grant. No, I, listen, I love Stephen's passion. I've always said you've got to get in with confidence and you've got to play with the shoulders back and you're coming to Hamden, you've got to make that a fortress and people frightened to come there to play. And I think the boys have earned that. Obviously, you're, Stephen's right, talking about Spain and Norway, going to Norway and getting the results against big sides. But I think England have got wonderful players and I don't think we can get away from that, Stephen. We know that obviously at this moment in time maybe not getting the results that the English supporters expect. But the good thing for us and the positive thing, because I can only talk about Scotland, is we've got players that's playing against them. Stephen spoke about it earlier on, playing against them week in, week out. For me, the biggest thing is 95% of them are playing the games. They're playing matches all the time. They're not substitutes at big clubs. They're all getting minutes on the football pitch, which helps them with their game legs when they turn up for the national team. But it also gives you that... You're not fearing to play them because you're not turning playing against them once every two years or whatever. You're playing against them every week, most of these boys. And that gives you a wee bit more confidence because you've come up against them. There's no that fear factor in the respect to that. I think there's a respect factor, but there's not a fear factor. But listen, we're all hoping, like, <laughs> Stephen, the way Stephen's talking, that's the way that we're going out tomorrow night. We're having that, the chest out, pumped out, ready to go. Go and excite your fans. Without the added pressure, if you know what I mean, needing points to qualify or if you don't qualify if you don't win this particular game. But playing against England, just when you see their badge and you see your badge and what you're representing, you should be so proud of that tomorrow night. And I'm sure anybody that gets picked and selected in that team tomorrow night will want to go and put on a show for the supporters. And they've earned that. But 
as I say, I wouldn't say England are a spent force. I've got top, top quality mm. players. There is absolutely no doubt of that. And they, listen, anybody that beats England is a massive scalp for them in world football. You know, I think there's no doubt of that. And I know their performances have not been great. And people will say, oh, Gareth's got to let the hand break off or whatever. But it doesn't take away the, a lot of talented boys in that, that squad of players. Um, and it'll be a very, very tough game. But listen, Stephen's right. We've got good players as well. Hopefully he's going to take that challenge on. And we'll see how far they have come as a, a team it's already as individual but we'll see how far they've come as a team against a team that's expected to win the competitions England are, let's not be kidded England now with the money and the infrastructure they've got are expected to win World Cups and win European Championships nothing less is acceptable for them now because that's what they think they are and with the amount of money gets poured into it they should be as well and it's easy to reel off the, the values of the England players as you did Stephen because you know some of them have moved on very recently so we know exactly what their market value is with Scotland well Andy Robertson's been with Liverpool a long time Scott McTominay might have moved in the summer but hasn't done so far Kieran Tierney's on loan at Real Sociedad so we don't know for sure what his value is John has stayed with Aston Villa um, so you know he could have moved for a big number as well so so as Collar Stephen w- was saying there I guess as you go through those names and others there there is a massive value to the Scotland squad Yeah uh, what, what sometimes happened with the money in England and the, the inflation and just to, for the European rules and everything, for the, they need a certain amount of English players. So sometimes when our top one becomes available, like a Declan Rice, a Jack Grealish, you're always having to maybe pay that bit extra um, within the league. But I think I think sometimes when when the England players, when you see them warm up tomorrow, I think that's when you realise how many top players they have at, the, at their disposable and why Gareth Southgate sometimes gets un, comes under criticism for why they haven't won a trophy um, so far, especially when they come so close in, in the final in the last Euros. But... Going into uh, going into next summer, I think Stephen's got his downs getting to the final for a country that's never <laughs> get out the group. I'd be quite happy with a quarter final uh, next summer. So, but I love the enthusiasm, Stephen. Yeah, let's get him in that dressing room uh, tomorrow night at Hamden, Scotland against England. Just twenty four hours away. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy for the best customer service. Call 0800 Let's go. Well, the first caller of the night was in top form, wasn't he, Stephen? Uh, good to hear from you, Stephen. And uh, if you want to join us uh, and have your say, 0808 17 17 700, the Go Radio Football Show. Rob McLean here in for Paul, and we've got Stephen McGinn, and we've got Peter Grant in the studio as well. Peter, who debuted uh, against England in the Rouse Cup in 1989 so he's going to get all emotional tomorrow night as it all comes flooding back we're just having a look at the the two teams on that occasion Peter came off the bench uh, Scotland were Leighton McKimmy Malpass Aiken McLeish McPherson Nevin McStay McCoy Bobby Connor and Mo Johnston and for England it was Shilton Stevens Pierce Webb Walker Butcher Robson Stephen John Fashionu, Tony Cotty, Chris Waddle and Steve Bull and Gaza came off the bench and Steve Bull scored, of course, in that Absolutely, game. Absolutely, yeah. Good memory, Rob. Bigger, <laughs> better than mine. <laughs> no, I was reading off my phone, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, Croatia are playing at the moment. Some European qualifiers are underway tonight. Uh, Croatia had a goal up in Armenia. Uh, Borna Barisic is playing. He came on as a sub for Croatia on Friday in their first game of the international break. So he's featured in both their games, having missed out for Rangers in the Old Firm match. Well, I said last week, Rob, I don't think he should be allowed to go. Because the clubs, obviously they say the country's got the pull, but it should be the exact same for the club. If he misses a club game, I don't care. There's no way he should be allowed to travel. If he's not fit to play for his club, he shouldn't be allowed to travel because 
if you play with the national team and you miss the games with the national team and you pull out, you're not allowed to play if I'm right the first game back or they can pull you from mm-hmm. that. You know, and I just think it's wrong. It should know? work both ways, shouldn't work, it? Uh, for yeah. me, 100% it should. You know, because that's that's the rules, that's why they're put in place. And the thing we were talking about earlier on, you can pick up an injury, we understand that. But there's no way you can be involved in two games as quick, you know, after a hamstring scan, because it all means you get a scan and that, so that tells you it's bad enough. And anybody that's had a hamstring injury will tell you, if it's anything, you're a minimum 10 to 12 days, a minimum. And that's the best you can possibly get. Then after that, you're talking about weeks. So... I'd be very, very disappointed if I was Michael Beale sitting here and I know he's allowed, obviously, to go and join up. I'd be very, very disappointed if I was the manager that he was allowed to play and he could play in the two games. Will that be causing unrest among the Rangers fans, do you think, Stephen? Yeah, maybe players as well. Um, I, I, when Borna Barisic dropped down the way he went down at Eindhoven, you automatically write him off the Celtic game. And as Peter says, the very best case scenario any kind of muscle injury is a kind of 10 days to two weeks. But at the end of that 10 days to two weeks, which the kind of international period's coming, the thought that you'd be able to do two games in such a quick turnaround, I mean, you try and give them the benefit of the doubt. You're, you're looking, is maybe one game or Croatia a really, really big game they have to win? They really need Borna Barisic, right? Okay, just about get through the, through the game. Then you miss the next one. The fact he's played dub, double header, Rangers have gone into that game last Sunday with a right back at left back. Um, You'd be questioning. You'd be questioning how 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 big the injury was. Was it an injury? How can he place the double header so soon after missing the biggest game of Rangers season so far? So, um, yeah, really surprised to hear that. Okay, of course, the big injury that we're all talking about, that everybody's talking about at the moment, is your knee. Um, <laughs> how is it? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, had the operation last last Thursday. Had a, a pretty big tear in my cartilage, which has caused me a bit of my problem. So. Great, really grateful for Falkirk getting me in so soon and just on the road to recovery now. Good man, Stephen again, Peter Grant on the Go Radio Football Show tonight. We've got Stevie Clark, not with us, but uh, with us in spirit, I suppose, and with him in terms of uh, audio throughout the show, hearing what he had to say at the news conference today, looking ahead to Scotland, England uh, tomorrow night. Everyone licking their lips uh, about that one, and especially at the moment, really, when you consider that uh, this Scotland team is evolving so impressively. Yeah, an evolution. Uh, I spoke before the the Euros, saying no matter what happened in the tournament, we would come out a better, we'd come out a better team. It was one of my quotes. I remember it. It's probably one of the the ones that I actually got right because we have improved. We've got better and better. And that's that's what happens when you get to major tournaments. You get that experience. You you should improve. If you don't improve, then you're not a very good person. And I'm talking about coaches and, and players. We should all improve for that for that experience. There are probably one or other two two or three quotes we could have thrown back at him that might not have uh, come uh, to fruition quite as well as that one did. But but he's right, and uh, and I think as we as we do get well, maybe don't get carried away as caller Stephen, but 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 we we are you know we are entitled to get a little bit carried away at the moment about about Scotland, and you do think ahead to. Uh, well, the qualification is done and dusted, let's be perfectly honest about it. So in the tournament next summer at Euro 2024, can Scotland use the experience of last time around, Peter, when, um, I don't know, Wembley was great, the two Hamden games were a bit underwhelming, weren't they, in terms of, of well, performance? Were we caught in the headlights just through lack of tournament experience? Yeah, but remember, we played Croatia, and Croatia were wonderful players. Mm. Modric and that were brilliant, you know, and were much better than England on that particular evening. They were a joy to watch, actually. And but, they, was, but was that something to do with Scotland? 
No, I just think it was the experience and the, the tactic was slightly different. Uh, I remember Stephen O'Donnell playing really well at Wembley, but he was sort of sat more at home at Hamden, believe it or not, which was quite ironic. And I think that was more to do with where Modric's position was. It was just so clever and it caused a major problem. So Scotland couldn't get that forward all the time because all of a sudden Modric was available. He was that first pass. And when you give him that first pass, he caused his major problems, I felt, in that game. Then he gets the goal as well. It was, it was a wonderful watching the performance of him. And it's difficult with Scotland because there's always an expectation when you have a great result to go again, mm. you know? The thing I'm enjoying about it is the fact that the groups together, it pushed me very much in the late great Craig Brown situation where he had a group that stayed together and they ended up qualifying for different... And even Craig was loyal with the boys that weren't maybe playing at their clubs. There was more of them at that particular time at big clubs, but they were maybe finding themselves on the bench. But they kept the group together no matter what. He's sort of Stevie's tried to do the same thing. Even if a guy's missed a couple of games, he's kept the group together, kept the bunch of guys together. So they know what the training regime is, they know what the setup's like, they know what's expected for the position they play. And I think that brings you that wee bit because as I said, we were sometimes training the first time the day before a game. I'm not sure if Stevie's managed to change that in any because I thought it was a disaster to be perfectly honest with you that way. Because then it didn't allow you that preparation time, apart from on a video, which is completely different. You know, and I think if he gets that right, gets that group out there, so whoever steps into the position, might be a slight tactical change here, but the player he's asking can do that because he's seen it all before. He's playing in the position where he's com more than comfortable in. And once you get that and they're always available, that makes it so special because that, that's the group then. And if you look at it, when you're winning games of football like everything else, everybody's available. Everybody wants to come. And that's the most important thing. Whereas if you're not getting results, maybe they... Born a Barisic once you get the wee hamstring strain, you know, well, I don't want to travel here because oh, we're going to X, Y and Z. And who are we to say, oh, well, you should be fit? You know, we get, remember Stephen Fletcher was getting an operation, but we couldn't tell anybody. But with the name in the squad, but we knew he was pulling out. Mm. Everybody said, well, he played on the Saturday. Yeah, we know, but it wasn't your job to tell you he was getting a knee operation after the Saturday game, which would knock him out for the international team so you'd all situations like that and it's it's never comfortable to be in because you're dealing with other people's players who they don't want anything not let out about their players so there's always these simple things but the one thing Stevie's managed to do that with this group and all these boys have been available which is fantastic and they'll get more comfortable with each other playing how each other's games are you know and you can see that with the performances they're putting in and thoroughly deserve the accolades they're getting and long may it continue and hopefully they keep progressing as you said and I think it's important see you're talking about the games held here England, Spain, France, and even myself and Alec and that were there, we tried to play the Portugals. Now, okay, you get turned over at times, mm -hmm. but you felt that was the only way the younger boys were going to get any... Because that's the bar yeah. you're sort of aiming at. Because you're going to be playing against these boys, yeah. you're going to be, have to be good in possession of the ball, you're going to be, have to mix up playing Scottish football at times in the respect to getting crosses in or getting whatever balls forward quickly or playing through it because if you get caught in possession, you know, with cheap possession, but then when you get it, you've got to be able to handle it. And that was the biggest thing we were trying to do because we felt, well, if we keep going that way and giving the ball away, they're long 90 minutes and 100 minutes mm. if you give it away against these team. And the lack of concentration would cost you a goal so dearly. And that's why I think it's better playing these teams because I think then if you lose it, people half expect it. But it's the only way you progress playing against the best players as a player. Anybody will tell you, play against the best because you want the best against the best because then you become better in yourself. Sometimes you've got to take a slap in the face because they're that much better than you. 
But other times you're thinking, oh, I played against them. That's what we're talking about, playing against English boys. They're all playing against them. They're all frightened of going out and playing Harry Kane or whatever. He can score three goals because he's capable of that. He's done it throughout his career. But you're not frightened of playing them because we're playing against them every week. You know? And it's up to you on that night to perform as well as you can. And hopefully these boys have got the confidence for other results to constantly do that. You know? And that's the quality that I think. And they're all at a great age. I think they're all at a fantastic mm. age as well. Knowing that you can add younger ones to it and also that experience is in there with the amount of game time they're getting. I, I thought it was two reasons we fell short. I thought, I think, tournament experience is a big one. Not having the full stadiums, obviously, I think played a part in it because having home advantage but not actually having home advantage was a bit of killer in, in hindsight. Um, but not having Kieran Tierney at the Euros, I thought was massive. When you think of the way the team's built, the, the whole thing is about fitting in Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson, the relationship they have. Looking back at our best win over the last 10 years, the, the Spain game, when you see Andy Robertson setting up uh, the first goal, Kieran Tierney goes in that amazing run for the second goal, and even the first goal the other night with Tomney's, it's a link up down the left uh, between the two of them, and losing Tierney just before that tournament was a hammer blow, and and they almost, if Steve Clark had had it, have it again, you wonder if maybe just they went to a flat back four, because it is almost built to, to fit um, the, the two left backs in, and and it has evolved, it's got better, Stephen O'Donnell was great for Scotland, but Aaron Hickey's just came in and been absolutely brilliant, so they have kept evolving, they keep getting better and better, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going places, I mean you, you see, I know, I know the Elliot Anderson, will he, won't he join Scotland, uh, Harvey Barnes, will he come in, you're not sure, but you're looking about how how this Scotland team can evolve, will the formation change longer term, more to a traditional four with, with maybe wingers going on, so... But I think we've got the right man at the helm to, to keep pushing us forward. Talking about Elliot Anderson, Stevie Clark was asked about that today. He was, uh, you'll not be surprised to know, brief uh, when it was pointed out to him that England quite like the look of Elliot Anderson. Yeah, we like the player as well, so Elliot will still have that choice to make. Yep, that was about it uh, on the subject of Elliot Anderson. And this was the, his answer um, about uh, Harvey Barnes. Probably the same comment is to think about that after we want the best players we can possibly get. If they're eligible for Scotland and they've got a chance to play for us and they can improve the squad that I've got, which is not an easy thing to do. And I get all the, the story around it because we're playing England, so you want to speak about Elliot, you want to speak about Harvey. Uh, I quite like speaking about the boys that I've got because they've put us in a really good position and they deserve a lot of credit for that. We have got uh, Peter Grant and Stephen McGinn in the studio and we've got Paul, who's a Rangers fan, uh, joining us now on the show. Hi, Paul. Hi, uh, Rob. Thanks for letting me on tonight. No, um, I'm Hi, I'm avoiding talking about Rangers in a way. I'm yep. putting them at the back bed of the uh, Just about Scotland. Um, just, you no, know, my age group, I'm, I'm just in my 40s. So, you no, know, I, I remember really Euro 96 and World Cup 98. And to be honest, I've never seen this in a World Cup since that. So, uh, no, it's been quite sad over the years, to be mm. honest. So, yep. I'm really enjoying how, how we're playing, I think. I've got to give a lot of plaudits to, to Steve Clark. I think he's what he's done is he's got a spiny achievement and he's basically made this difficult to beat. Um, and I think that's just came over and it's, it's gained more confidence. And I think now more and more players are wanting to turn out. And a bit, I don't know who it was mentioned there, if it was Peter or whoever, it said about Barisic. I know I'll go back to just a wee point about Rangers, but I see Barisic taking a wee bit of a fall here and there. And then when they go and get his tough for the chips are down, mm. I can't make it. You know, and that, that really frustrates me as a fan. But I think I'm not seeing as much as I was Scotland. And, I guess I just want to ask you, oh, um, I read one of the articles saying that if Scotland continued to do well, we could be in pot one for the European Championships, and I think that even makes it, well, technically in paper, I suppose, makes it easier to, 
potentially qualify, and I think that's the next big goal. I think Stevie Clark will be saying to the players is, we've got to the tournament, but it's this big hurdle of actually qualifying for the, the latter stages. Yeah. And I think the way things are going, it's a possibility. I just wanted to ask what you guys yeah, think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. Paul, uh, and, and I think that's the thing, Peter, isn't it, about continued success as Scotland are having at the moment. You just go up and up and up on the coefficient. That that can help everybody. That can help the club sides as well. But in terms of qualifying for tournaments and actually being seeded highly for tournaments, um, that can be a big, big boost. Absolutely. Evening, Paul. No, I think he's 100% right. The more games you play, and that's why I think even we simple things like playing uh, tomorrow night against England, why would you not use that to try and win it? To show when you get into tournament football you can play against the best. This group of players, if you asked every one of the players, sat them up, everybody that's on that, the, the international trip, this one, who wants to play tomorrow night? I'm sure everybody's hand would be desperate to go up. Nobody wants to miss out on it because they all want to be in a starting 11 when hopefully we qualify for Euros, hopefully we qualify for World Cups. The more games you win, the more confident you get, the, as I said earlier, about the better players you play against, the more you understand the game, because it is different. Simple things. Referees' decisions are completely different. You know, in certain football, you're allowed to give me your studs shown slightly, other ones you're not. So all the wee things, how you've got to keep all the players on the pitch, and the more times you're up against that, it's so important because that can be the fine line. But the biggest thing, and Paul's right, you're getting a group atmosphere around about this group who everybody knows their job. Stephen talked about Kieran Tierney. Go back to when Alec was there. Every question he got asked was, who are you going to play? <laughs> Andy Robertson or Kieran Tierney? Mm. We're saying, we'll play a back three because it gets both of them in. The two of them are fantastic left backs, you know, but that's the only way we can get them in the side and Kieran plays it exceptionally well. But that was every single time as if it was a negative system. It's not a negative system. You've got two of the it's best. The exactly, it's a complete opposite. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. And... Once the fans start to believe that, and that is the biggest thing for me, the supporters understand what's trying to, and they're desperate to go and watch Scotland play now. They're pushing them on. So it's not just the players on the pitch, it's everybody else looking forward to Scotland playing again. And that, that's so, so important. And we can't look at that. And then the more victories we get, and as you say, you're into different pots, you know, you, you all of a sudden you're qualifying more often than not. These boys I spoke about earlier on are at a great age. They could take us to a couple of tournaments, which is so important. And there's always other guys coming through. You know, you're hoping that's going to be the case because guys will drop in and drop out. And the biggest thing is keeping them all fit because you don't want one or two players to be a missing because if you have one or two players are missing, you maybe not be able to replace them. So what we've got to look at is what's underneath, who, who's playing the games and who's just missing out. Are they capable? Because you look at, like, say, Ben Doak, all these kids, they're all talking about raving them. So you want to be playing at a level. Harvey Barnes, they're talking about... The reason you're talking about Harvey Barnes is because the results are getting... Because yeah. these guys wouldn't be looking at Scotland no. if, if Scotland were only winning. You know, because Scotland are winning. And that could happen. You could end up getting players you didn't realise, you know, had a Scottish background. Because all of a sudden, they've got the agents phoning up. Oh, by the way, do you know he can play for Scotland? And that's the things you're looking for. And that's why the boys and Steve have got to take great credit from that. And I've, But as I say, don't let's not be remiss of the support because the support they've had from the terrace and it's been magnificent and that's why these boys want to turn up as well because when you're losing and you're getting stick all the time do they really want to turn up when they're getting 100 grand a week I wish I wasn't involved with Scotland this this trip you know what I mean but because they're winning and they're getting that support so the small details but yes I agree with you. let's keep winning let's keep producing excuse me let's keep producing performances and results and that's why tomorrow night becomes important I don't think it's one of these games you just wash over no matter what happens let's make it important let's lose it, use it as a tournament game 
as if you're going to a tournament game. Let's use it as that because that's the mindset you want to have in these group of players and that's what I see from this group of players as well. Just briefly on Elliot Anderson, uh, your thoughts, uh, Stephen, on... I mean, it's, it's inter- it's a di- it is a dilemma for him, isn't it? Because, you know, maybe it would be in- England would be his choice if he thought he could play enough for them, if he, if he thought he could get in the squad in the, in the first place. Where, whereas, you know, there, there, there would probably be a, a readier route into the Scotland squad for him. Yeah, I was I was really excited about Ellie Anderson being in the Scotland squad when it when it got named. Um, really looking forward to where he, f- he was going to fit into the the system. Obviously, being a wide player, but then it, obviously the rumours: is he injured? Is he genuinely injured? Is he pulled out because England have shown an interest? And then you hear Gareth in, uh, Southgate speak about him. You think, well, they've definitely declared an interest. He's not even making a secret. They're almost saying, no, don't commit to Scotland. We are really interested in you. So. It will be a difficult decision for him, but he's got to make the decision. He's got to where am I going to play international football? And when you when you pick an England team, you're you're leaving out a Jack Grealish, you're leaving out a Phil Foden, a Marcus Rashford. When you're trying to fit them all in, and Elliot Anderson's got to believe the best thing for his international future is to to play. And if he backs himself, he thinks he's good enough to play for England. Then good luck to him. But uh, we'd we'd love him to to obviously play for Scotland. Just just on Paul's. Uh, comment talking about it's not very Scotland like to look past the next tournament we're going to qualify the World Cup's still the big one the desperate to get back to another World Cup and you're thinking back to um, qualifying campaigns and while winning all these games put us a better chance we think if we beat um, France home and away in a qualifying group I think Watersmith and Alex McLeish era and he still didn't qualify so if we can get ourselves into these pot one, pot twos, get into these qualifying cam- campaigns for the for the World Cup, which is definitely harder to qualify for than the Euros, um, we'll give ourselves such a better chance of getting there. Don't know if Paul is still. Paul, are you still with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah still yeah. here. Yeah. We're, we're heading for a break, so I just want to want a really quick. Uh, you touched on it earlier, but I just wanted maybe uh, thirty seconds from you about about Borna Barisic and how the Rangers fans, how you feel about the fact that he wasn't ready for the Old Firm game and and he's in for these two games for Croatia. Listen, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to be professional, about it, right? but <laughs> he's been doing. No, listen, I see. He's been doing this consistently from from an outsider looking in, from a fan looking in. When the when the chips are down, I always see myself. I was laughing with my mate. The, I think it was PSV. He dropped down. I went, oh, just take him off. That's him. He's, he's gave up already, and that worries me. To be honest, mm-hmm. I, I don't want like that. I should be forced to be honest, and I think. Um, if that's the way he wants to be, then I, I'd be shipping him out. To be honest, uh, because you need, need characters that are going to, a bit like Scotland are doing now, that they go through the pain and they know there's an outweigh, and you need characters to stand up. So, hundred percent, great player, great talent, but when the chips are down, you need your players to stand up. That's just my thoughts on it. To be honest. Paul, thanks for your call. Cheers, thanks. Cheers, Paul. Paul. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, buddy. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. A tailored service where each code is created with the best products and a fair price, no upfront costs. Let's go! The Go Radio Football Show, just looking at some of the headlines on screen in the studio at the moment. And uh, one of them is that the English FA, as we kind of knew, are monitoring, uh, very much monitoring, whatever that means, Mm. (laughs) the Elliot Anderson situation, he having pulled out of the Scotland squad ahead of the win in Cyprus. Um, and uh, of course the fact he hasn't played for Scotland means that he can pick and choose now Peter yeah well that's the difference we like McTominay when Big Alec went to speak to him right away he was more than interested in playing for Scotland and he's proven wonderful for Scotland 
Um, he has his critics at different times, but the one thing we could never be critical of him, he was desperate to come up and play for Scotland, as his family was. And I think that's the difference. And that, listen, that wasn't about getting great results. I'm yeah. looking at it now, yeah. and you're thinking to yourself, hold on a minute here. And Stephen talked about it, the players that's already in front of him. I think that's what you've got to be very, very careful of. And they've got a hell of a lot of young players at the 21s are not even in the squad, you know, England. So all of a sudden you could find yourself in sixth or seventh choice. And that is the problem with Lakes England. They've got so much selection, you know, for all different backgrounds and everything, you know what I mean? They've all went and said to him, well, well, he can play for England, he can play for England. Then if they give him one game, it would be a nightmare for the boy. If they see he's got a future. But all these boys that are young as well, you know, when you're talking about the ones that Phil Foden's, Jack Grealish, they're all young kids. Yeah. You know, so the bottom line, they've got big careers in front of them. God willing, they don't have any injuries. Uh, the Rashfords and all these. So they're top quality players. So he could go there and find himself, be selected for one or two games. Then all of a sudden, oh, he's not playing for Newcastle. So I've left him out of the squad because he's not playing games. And I've seen it all before. Whereas at Scotland, he'd still be involved because he's training with the top quality every day. Never mind playing. The position he plays, sometimes you're on and off anyway. But playing in that environment at Newcastle is magnificent. He's coached very well with Eddie. And that. I know Eddie very well, obviously. I know the way they're coaching, the determination, and the way they'll make them work every single day. So you know his legs are going to be up to even if he wasn't playing the matches. For me, and it's easy for me being Scottish, I'd be saying to him, there's what's in front of you. That's what you've got to try and beat to get in there. Do you think you'll do that? Yeah, his own confidence maybe tell him that. But I'd be telling the gospel truth and saying to him, listen, son, it's going to be a hell of a shift for you trying to get in there. And I just don't want you to come along for the ride uh, in that respect. But obviously England are looking at it slightly different, but please believe me, I don't think they'll get a lot of caps with England because of the quality that's in front of him, not because of his ability. That's that's a bit. He's not even getting in the Newcastle team. He's not even started a game for Newcastle this season. And yeah, looking at these guys that are in front of him for England, genuine superstars. And probably why it took me by such surprise about Gareth Southgate almost making a play, like a come and get me play mm-hmm. to, to him. Um, if you can't get in at Newcastle, uh, no, obviously top quality players at Newcastle, but you struggle to see how he's so quickly jumped the queue to get into the England squad. The flood of top players towards... Uh... Sorry, Rob. See, on that, it was SF, the FA, sorry, it was talking to him. Yeah. That's what Gareth said there. Because Gareth, they're saying, is under a bit of pressure. He shouldn't be, but that's what they're saying down south. He's under a bit of pressure. So if Gareth goes, what if another manager comes in? I don't fancy him. It doesn't matter. Okay, he's went. The FA went and looked mm. himself. By the way, this boy can also play for England. But Gareth likes Jack Grealish, Rashford playing out there, blah, blah, blah. You name them all. I've got so many. What happens then? If Gareth goes, because it's Gareth says, yeah, but I've got an interest. But now Gareth's saying, I've told the FA. And that's the interesting point for me. Because mm-hmm. it's the next guy that comes in who could be a foreigner, as it happens nowadays. Abroad, I know that they'd rather have an Englishman be the manager. But that would be the interesting point. They could be left without nothing. Not even getting a selection for a national team. Not even looked at because of the qualities in front of them. And as Stevie Clark said... They like him, we like him too. And he's got, <laughs> and he's got read, a decision to make. I mean, you read guys like uh, Raheem Sterling being disappointed at getting left out of the squad. And at the, at the moment, he's, I know Chelsea aren't in great shape, but he's the main man for Chelsea and think he's disappointed to just miss out in the squad. So, I mean, as I say, good luck to him if he thinks he can break, uh, break into the England team, then it'd be amazing for him. But um, I, I genuinely think there'd be a big future for him in the uh, Scotland setup. What I was going to say there was that the, the flood of players towards the Middle East is continuing. Um, maybe they're it, almost they're almost not a headline anymore because so many now have happened. And uh, PSG midfielder Marco Verratti is the the latest one to head to Qatar uh, for about a forty million pound fee. And there's 
there's a, a top player in his prime, really, Peter, heading to the Middle East. Well, that, that's my worry. I, I don't want players to be in their prime, you know what I mean? That's Listen, I can see the, what happened in America, happened in China. It was guys that was at the end of their career picking up big money. You know, China tried it a little bit, didn't work. All of a sudden, it went to pot in really respect to that. America, when I was young, it was the Pellies, George Best, so they started with the superstars, so there was only one way they were going to go. Where do you go after that? Cruyff, you were only going to go at the back to the beginning, and they've done it another way, and they've tried to build it back up again. Saudi Arabia look as if they're not going to stop in the respect to that, because they're talking about an infrastructure getting put in place and like, academy systems and all that, and they've got the money to do that. But when I see like Varate and that going to Qatar, and I'm not being disrespectful, the disappointing thing for me is watching the Champions League you want all the best yeah. players to be involved in it. Yeah. If somebody's like Ronaldo, Benzema, they've earned to do what they're doing. I've mm -hmm. no, absolutely no issue with that whatsoever. Although I'd still happily watch Benzema for a few oh, years more in the Champions absolutely, League. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But you're saying 35, 30. I understand that, you know, because he's looking at it and thinking, wow, even though he's won five Champions Leagues, whatever. So the bottom line, I understand that, bringing them boys, but it's when you start seeing the Neveses and that going, who are top quality players, could play for any team in Europe, you know, any team in the Premier League in England at 25 years of age, if he even is that. Him going, Varati, top player. And it's interesting, I didn't realise Varati didn't even play a game, but even though he's Italian, didn't play a game in at least top tier. He played in the second division when he moved, before he moved to Paris, and it's all the years he spent in Paris. But he's a wonderful, wonderful player. And you're going over there, and obviously we know what it's for financially. And that, listen, no problem, if that's what he wants to do. But I'm just scared going forward, you know that that's what's going to happen the top quality players in the Champions League because they're obviously putting 200 million in for Salah yep. you know it tells you it's a bottomless pit really financially wages and the, the, the fees they're willing to pay and I'm a little bit frightened of that I must admit I know people are saying they're not frightened of it I am yeah. I am because if they're given the wages they are it's impossible to knock it back. Yeah, and it's building and building and building. It's pieces going into the jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? And and it's something that looks at the moment, you would reckon, Stephen, maybe is, is leading towards a world version of the Champions League. Yeah, well, I don't think UEFA will ever allow it. I don't know how they'll go about it, whether they have some sort of separate tournament. Um, but I suppose you never really know. I mean, the Champions League's changing again uh, next year. But as Peter said, it's the ones like um, Neves and Jota, they, they buy Jota for 25 million you, you don't really seem to know what's going on with them whether they even in the squad actually wanted no. them or not so um, when you've got that much financial muscle that you can take someone and decide about two months later he's maybe not for you it's uh, as a scary prospect Sure is Scotland-England tomorrow night um, we're looking ahead to that obviously uh, a friendly uh, will it really be a friendly we shall see and of course we've all got our great memories uh, Peter in the studio made his debut off the bench for Scotland uh, against England. He also made a Celtic debut against Rangers, which is a fairly unique uh, double. What about Stevie Clark, though, the Scotland manager, and his Scotland-England memories? Yeah, I think so. Obviously we do, but I think the English hold them quite close as well. They like to beat us. Don't, don't, don't make any mistake about that. Don't think it's more important to Scotland than it is to England. Having lived in England for, as I said, quite a long time, I understand it means a lot to them as well. The memories are great, you know, they... I think we became world champions when we won in 67, didn't we? <laughs> so all the little things, all the little memories. Uh, the 9-3 game, maybe not such a good memory. So there's, there's loads of memories for, for everybody to have. And hopefully after this one, we can give them a few more. And he remembers Big Gordon as well. Gordon McQueen, header. Big man, sadly no longer with us. Uh, I remember that one, he, he jumped so high. Incredible, incredible goal. I remember as a young man, uh, 
the year we got banned from the Scotland fans, we got banned for going to Wembley. I remember being there. My sister and her husband lived in London at that time, and he was in the he was in the Met Police, so we managed to get a couple of tickets for us. I remember somewhere between the stadium and getting back to my sister's house, I lost my young brother Michael. And my sister gave me an absolute hell of a time, but he turned up eventually. He jumped in somebody's car and got a lift back in because the tubes were off, the buses were off. You had to walk, so he managed to get a lift off some random geezer and made his way back. And I'd have been 16 at the time, so Michael would have been 12. So I can imagine, I can understand now why my sister was so upset. That was a bit like Confessions of Stevie Clark there for, for a moment. <laughs> I'd like to have seen that video because he was laughing. Yeah, no, I know, exactly. What are your memories, though, of uh, Scotland, Scotland, England fixture? We'd like to hear from you on that as well. Let us know on the usual number 0808 17 17 700. And the second hour of the Go Radio Football Show is on the way. Looking to reduce your energy bills? Global Eco Energy. Install renewable energy products to domestic, commercial and public sector customers with a wide range of renewable energy products including solar PV, battery storage and air source heat pumps we offer bespoke solutions for a free quote and to find out more about grants and funding options go to global-eco.co.uk and quote Solar 10 for 10% off your installation available until 30th September 2023 The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy for the best customer service call 0800 233 5788 Let's go! It's Rob McLean and Stephen McGinn and Peter Grant in the studio for the Monday evening version of the show and of course Tuesday night tomorrow night means Scotland England just round the corner from where we are on Glasgow's own in the Gorbals and at Hamden of course it is the meeting of the old enemy and uh, it could be quite a night what a double it would be Stephen McGinn if Scotland beat England and we qualify for Euro 2024 all on the same night yeah it'd be, it'd be quite the night and to top off the 150th anniversary it'd be uh, special we want to remember so fingers crossed it happens because why not <laughs> well I know that I'd be sitting in the stadium you beat England and the result comes through when you're sitting there I wonder, is Stevie Clark going to have a tranny next to his head? Those of you who have a certain vintage will remember what a tranny was. Uh, will he be monitoring the scoreline? You were on it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, what's the game? It's Georgia against Norway. Norway. That's Norway. the one. Uh, and if that game is a draw, then Scotland will uh, have qualified for the finals in Germany uh, next summer. Here's Stevie Clark on that very subject. I think the crowd might keep me up to date. Uh, I won't be monitoring it, I'll be watching the game. Uh, as the game unfolds on the pitch, that's my job. It's not to worry about what happens elsewhere. I'm glad you think it's imminent. In my head, it's not imminent. It's still a long way away until you're actually over the line. I've been in situations before as a coach or a, a manager where you're trying to achieve a target with a club and sometimes the last step's the, the longest one. So. We'll just focus on the game tomorrow night and what happens elsewhere happens. You've just got to be careful with the word you use when you're asking a question to Stevie Clark. Don't use the word imminent necessarily or you might just get it flung back at you uh, as happened there. Um, but I mean, he's the guy who invented the phrase keeping your feet on the ground, Peter, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. But listen, we're all like that. You never come out and say about it, but genuinely deep down, he knows what it is, how close we are, we're touching it, we're feeling it. The performance of it earned that to be in this position. And let's not kid ourselves, it'd be a catastrophe if we didn't get there now with the performances we've had. I know we're playing against good sides. 
they've shown that they can get the results they've been shown whether they've had to dig in whether they've had to score goals because Cyprus wasn't easy, going to be easy different they, ways of winning absolutely. games yeah. you know and it was hot night but you got off to a good start and then it continues midfielders getting in the box a determination John getting in the box big Scott McTominay getting in the box brilliant you know and the, these things are so so important so you get into this game and of course you're touching distance you're going to have to perform but you're going to be playing with that pressure but you're going to have that you've earned it You've won, what is it, four, five in the bounce? You know? five, five in the bounce and you 11 know? qualifying yeah, games exactly. on the bounce. So you're saying to yourself, you've earned that to be in the position. Because let me tell you, if anybody else in the group was sitting in the position we're in, they'd be saying, we're already there. Yeah. You know, that's where everybody would be desperate to be. And Scotland are there. So the thing is now, yes, of course, you've got to make that next step. That never changes. And the next one always becomes the important one, as everybody keeps saying. Of course it is. But let me tell you, it'd be a catastrophe if you didn't get there now. And obviously... Um, it was always going to be a full house tomorrow night. It's a special game for all sorts of reasons. Scotland-England, which doesn't come around very often. It's the 150th anniversary, um, as you say, Stephen. But actually, whoever Scotland were playing uh, tomorrow night, it would be a full house anyway, because that's the way it is at the moment. It has become cool to support Scotland, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah the demand for tickets, it's amazing. It's brilliant what we've got to... I love the fact that Steve Clark doesn't get carried away. I love the fact that tomorrow night, if we qualify, fingers crossed... The questions will come and everyone will be waiting for him to smile and, and celebrate it and he'll just say no, the, the challenge now is to think about improving in last year's tournament. He, he'll move quickly to the, the new pressure, the new expectation. He'll not be releasing a song about Stevie's Tartan Army in <laughs> celebration. <laughs> he'll not be hiring it, an open-top bus. I don't think it will ever. I don't think he's... I, I just think we've got a top manager and, and the calmness is part of what makes him a top manager and he'll probably say to his private family and whatever, yeah, I'll have a sell champagne after the game tomorrow night. But see that that final whistle goes in Scotland have qualified. He won't. He'll be thinking about how do I improve on we didn't win a game last time. How do I get this group out of the group next summer? So I think I think we're lucky to have him. And one of the earlier callers spoke about the SFA's patience and sticking with him when he was coming under a bit of heat and it's turned out to be an amazing decision. Great appointment in the first place and they've just kept with him and he's just kept moving it forward and he hopefully stays for a long time for us. We're obviously going to talk a lot more about Scotland and England between now and seven. Uh, but hips of a new manager as of uh, today, Peter, Nick Montgomery. Uh, what do you make of that appointment? Well, I've been impressed with Nick's job that he's done in Australia. Just looking at his results and his performances. I've looked at a couple of games his team's been playing in because I knew off him, obviously, when he was at Sheffield United. You know, I, either, I can't remember if I played against him if he was a young kid when I went to Norwich at first or it was in later years I was coaching against him. He might have the imprint of your boots on uh, his well, shin, possibly. Definitely if I played against him, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but the one thing about him, was he was a diligent player, he was a real team player, and I think that's what Hibs need. They need to get somebody that's going to bring them together, because you hear all the different stories that come out of the restrooms, as you do when you lose your job as a manager and all these different things. And there was a bit of unrest, and you could sense that in the supporters. So I think the one thing he had, he'd a, if I remember the group of boys he played with at that particular time, they were a group of men, you know, and you could sense that it was a really organised, diligent group, and you just think that's the way Nick played. He was a good footballer, but he was a more competitive, uh, more of a competitor. He got the ball and get used it really well, you know, but he was more of that competitive type, and it was more of a team player. And I think, as I say, I think it's a very good appointment. But listen, time will tell. It's a fantastic job. Anybody would have been interested in the Hibs job, there is no doubt of that. Um, they've got a fantastic fan base who want success. You know, that's what they want. And 
listen, they've got the training facility, they've got the stadium, they've got the support base already there. And if you can get them winning games of football, they'll back him with the Hilton. Listen, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he, he works over here because, of course, it's a different pressure that comes under here. You know, you come under more pressure here. You've seen it with the jobs at Aberdeen recently. You've seen it with the jobs at Dun United. They all change very quickly if you don't get success. And that's you chasing the big two, as in Rangers and Celtic. You know what I mean? So you're always judged with that. But if you don't finish third now, you're under severe pressure because the Hibs are expected to be there, the Hearts are expected to be there, Aberdeen are expected to be there. Then everybody's fighting for sixth place. So it makes the league better mm -hmm. because there's an expectation in everybody now. You know, look at the, the job that Stuart Kettlewell has done. Phenomenal. You know, David Martindale at Livingston. You know, and now that's what he's going to be up against because they, the, the good thing about they guys, they don't go Easter Road or anywhere with a bit of fear. They think, well, to get into the top six, we've got to beat these teams, whether it's at home or away. So we've got to get results against them. So if it's added pressure to Hibs, the Hearts and Aberdeen, who are all expected to finish third behind uh, Celtic and Rangers. I think he'd just come in, had he? Uh, Chef, uh, or you'd just come in, sorry, at Sheffield United as he was leaving. Was that right, Nick Montgomery? Yeah, long-term player at Sheffield United and we just uh, passed each other. And I think he was a captain in that group, the previous group. And one thing, I mean, everyone's got their own friends and people say uh, he was, but it was unanimous what a top captain he'd been, top guy. Everyone loved him. Couldn't do enough for you. So not that it guarantees you to be a good manager, but he was a good leader. I think that's always important getting into management. And I think it's a brilliant job. I thought it was a brilliant job for anyone um, because what that Hibs team does is score goals. I think it's got goals in it. You look at Yuan, Boyle, I think Lafondre and Doidge, mm -hmm. both not starters at the weekend, get the goals up at Pataudry. So there's goals right across the team. What Hibs have not done this season is the basics, the, the I wouldn't say easiest bits to coach, but go in there and stop crosses coming in the box. Stop having straight strikers free in your box. Go, go in and get the basics done because there's already the hardest bit, there's goals in the team. So really exciting job for him. Um, and re yeah, really looking forward to seeing how he manages the the trip across the continent to, to manage in our league. I interviewed him a few times. Um, I remember last summer, uh, Hibs were suffering a couple of shocks in the in the League Cup group stages and interviewed him after a few a few games. And, and I was never quite sure what his plan was, what, what, what he was what he was trying to do with the team. And I think the Hibs fans felt that about him as well. They, they could never quite sense what identity he was trying to create about Hibs. Yeah, Lee Johnson. Yeah, it's just... Even, even last year, it was such a strange season. Um, Hibs never really fulfilled any sort of potential last year but got into the European spots on the last day of the season they have from nowhere a chance to, to take over from Hearts and Hearts go down to 10 men after half an hour and they, they missed that chance to to go up into for fourth so yeah I think he was, he's, he's always been quite a streaky manager he's went on winning runs and losing runs down at Bristol City and at Sunderland and I think sometimes some of their fan bases were a bit split and some really liked him, some couldn't take to him. So, yeah, it was a strange period. And he's very quickly going into a new job. Um, I remember, I think I came up against Oldham, played against Oldham, won his very first games as a, a manager. I think he was only 32. So he's very experienced manager. He's done a lot mm. of games. But, yeah, just there was always just something missing with these subs teams. Yeah, when you, so you interviewed him, Rob, yeah. did you think when they won games, it was more about him? I mean, he lost games. It was the players to blame. Mm. You know, and that, that that's never nice for a dressing room. The manager's job is to get the team to win. Try and win. And I know that for experience. Your job is about trying to win. But when you win, it's all about players. Don't mm -hmm. worry about that. That's the most important thing is making sure the players, because they're the ones that's going to go out and perform. Yes, we're coaching, whatever. And if we lose, it's my fault. 
But that's the way it is, and that's never going to change. Mm -hmm. I never ever sensed that. But even if you feel that way deep down inside, you can't go out and say that. Yeah, you'll speak to the group that way, and you've got to speak to them differently. Yes, you've got to. People always used to say, if you're a manager, you'd be, better, be a very good actor. I don't think he was a very good actor. No. And that, that was the biggest thing for me, you know, because if I was a player, and I always try and do that, and I said that, I always try and think, how would I like to be treated? Or how would, I, would I like him to say that about the team today, whether it was one of my teammates or whether I wouldn't like that, you know, and you, you hope you'd have a group of players there, and you sense there was a wee bit of negativity between both, and I could see the you could see in the players, mm -hmm. you know, you could see it, and you could see the fans maybe waiting a bad result really to have a go at them, and I think he liked talking about himself. I told, oh, I said when he got the job, keep the camera running because he's always got something, he's good for something. And sure as fate, that's the way he ended up shooting himself in the very last interview he'd done. He walked off and the lady was asking him the question. You know, and you're thinking, no, you can't do that. No. You know, because when you're being successful, you want to sit there and show everybody how good you are. But when it's not going particularly well, that's when you've got to stand and put the shoulders back and face it and take the criticism that goes with it. But it's a fantastic job, a great, great group of supporters. And I hope it's successful for them because it'd be good for that uh, strong Hibs and all that, you know, yeah. because it makes the league so and so competitive. But also, they need a good appointment, absolutely, don't they? Because yes. they've got it wrong so many times in quick succession. Yeah, absolutely. And but listen, it's a place you. I used to love going to the old Easter Road, you know. But it was a place you always knew you were in for a game. They had great players, mm. you know, and it was great games. But you had Dundee United, you had Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen. Everywhere you went was so difficult. And I'd like it to get back to that when you're going to these places because then the more players that's coming through and then the managers come through and whatever help, these teams get stronger. And that's what you want. You want these to be strong because it's only the benefit of Scottish football because yeah. then we maybe get better results when they get into Europe. And you know that, Stephen, of course, because you were there. Yeah, we were there in a time, um, one season, obviously the COVID season with no fans, but we, we got third, got to a couple of finals. Finals, obviously... Still leave a wee bit of sour taste the, the way they went, but probably came up against St. Johnson's best ever team. Mm. Um, so, but but we got third, get into Europe, and not long into that season, Jack hits his first real bad run as a Hibs manager, and, and, and they move him on. I was biased, but I knew the group. I knew how much they liked, loved Jack as a manager. They were desperate for him to stay. And it's all been going downhill since then as well, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just look as if I'm biased to say, but I thought they, like we said with Steve Clark, I thought Hibs could have. Yeah, stayed a bit they could have stood firmer and, and back Jack because the one thing the dressing room did love him um, he had evidence of getting third and, and with Hibs with, with the greatest respect that is the, the top of the league the finishing third and there was still enough co confidence and belief in the group that they could turn it round under Jack but it wasn't to be and I think they've spent a lot of money since and they're still searching for that guy that um, that really makes him tick that everyone can get going again and, and get Hibs back to cup finals and finishing third because Hearts and Aberdeen have been the dominant teams in that kind of tri triangle of, of a bit, three of our big clubs and although Hibs have just went up to Aberdeen so Nick Montgomery's got a lot to work with I think he's got a lot of, as I said a lot of goals in the team a lot of potential in the team with, with Yuan and obviously Boyle Boyle's been such a big player for Hibs over the last few years but just that defensive structure get it back to and organise hard to beat and because there's so many goals in the team that you don't have to don't have to go in and find some sort of solution to get goals there's that much goals spread about that it's sorting out the other end that's the, yes. that's the issue Nick Montgomery the new manager of Hibs as of uh, today uh, Gareth Southgate has been talking uh, about Scotland England uh, tomorrow night he's also been talking about that 
potential scrap between the two nations, if that be the right word. Um, I'm not sure England are scrapping too much in terms of Harvey Barnes, but they are declaring an interest in Elliot Anderson. Well, both very good players. Um, uh, in terms of Harvey, he's obviously a player who has played for us. Um, we've got a lot of competition in that area of the pitch, so... He's a player we're always monitoring, um, and um, he's a player we do we like a lot. Um, with uh, Elliot, uh, again, I think he's a player that uh, has progressed really well. Um, we've previously spoken with him, um, but of course, he was named in the squad here, so assumed that was that. Um, but I thought he had an excellent pre-season with Newcastle as well um, you could see that evolution that he's got as a young player and the potential that he's got I know at Newcastle they rate him uh, very highly so yeah I don't, I don't know uh, the, the answer to the ultimate question for either player What are you reading between those lines from Cara Southgate Peter? Well he's just saying exactly what we're saying yeah. you know Harvey Barnes is in the team and Harvey Barnes has been outstanding I think he's a terrific player yeah but he can't get in the team and all of a sudden you're saying to yourself well how's the young boy Elliot Anderson going to get in the team because it's same similar positions mm -hmm. that they play and listen England have got that and that's the poorly England as I said to you um, that's a difficulty and probably most of his life he's lived in England obviously and you're thinking as a school kid he probably supported England even though his family were Scottish and whatever all these wee things you think to yourself maybe that's the pull for him but in the cold light of day I would like the kid if he's good enough to be playing for Scotland because of the fact he's got opportunities and we don't have as many players of us as England do and that's why I'd like him to come. Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes, even in this Scotland team it's so good, Harvey Barnes would end up being a starter. He's that good. Mm -hmm. I think he's, he's got everything. He's a goal threat. You know, he, he's powerful. He runs very well with the ball in Kimichi. You know, where would, he fit, where would he fit in at the moment? Who to whose exclusion? Oh, I just think he would get in the team, Rob. Right. You know, I think like, it allows you to do different things. Mm. And I think when you're with a national team, that's what you've got to have at times. Gives you another dimension. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. You know, there's certain times in the game you need to try and there's certain times you've got to sit a little bit back, a little bit deeper. There's other times you can say, well, can we break quickly? We'll be sitting. This? And that's the way international football's progressed. It's playing against top quality sides. But then when you break, can you get guys that can score goals? Harvey Barnes scored many goals if you break and feet deep or picking the ball up in that middle third to front and he all of a sudden he's up people and scoring goals from there so there's, there's an asset premiership experience all these things so these boys are all at a very very good age and that's what we're talking about growing the group because you have to grow the group mm -hmm. you know that's that's the important you can't thing. stand still no of course no. of course and if we're getting chances of getting people like him we cannot knock it back that's why Stevie's right no saying oh well if he doesn't want to play for Scotland and I, me as a Scotland supporter I'm saying well if he doesn't want to play with us we don't want him anyway but we've got to be realistic. We don't have many Harvey Barneses at this moment in time. That's why you're hoping that they like to see the Ben Dokes and all that progress the way that everybody's been talking about them. You know, because then that gives you a Harvey Barnes, a Ben Doe, and Elliot Anderson. So all of a sudden, we've got another group of quality players coming through who are involved in the Premiership. And that's what we've got to try and keep and maintain. Because too many times we've had a great group of players, and it's 10 us 10 years to go and try and rebuild again because we've not had the, the same amount of people coming underneath. It's a sign of the times, isn't it? That, uh, that these guys are actually showing any interest in playing for Scotland, yeah, I suppose. None of it really makes sense for me in terms of the English pursuit of it and other than potentially just losing them to longer term because neither of these players are getting a game for Newcastle at the minute and they're getting kept out of the team by Miguel uh, Almiron and Anthony Gordon. 
Anthony Gordon being English if Anthony Gordon had a Scottish granny would he be getting linked with an England <laughs> call up right now so it doesn't really make sense to me yeah. other than just not have, letting Scotland have another are they, trying to, are, they, are they trying to spoil it for it us sounds basically sounds a little bit like that yeah. the fear factor ever catching them <laughs> I know exactly they are worried very worried tomorrow night about this time Scotland England just along the road at Hamden the Go Radio football show with Global Eco Energy a tailored service where each code is created with the best products and a fair price no upfront costs let's go we are building up to Hamden tomorrow night the 150th anniversary of the first ever Scotland-England match. Uh, all sorts of uh, intriguing thoughts uh, going into that one uh, with Scotland uh, on a high at the moment and uh, cruising, uh, maybe cruised in the past tense. Um, it's just about job done, isn't it, for uh, Euro 2024 Germany uh, next summer. And what a game to have on the evening that that might be settled if uh, results elsewhere uh, happen to fall Scotland's way uh, tomorrow night, then qualification uh, will be signed and sealed. Stevie Clark was telling us the other night he got a B in arithmetic at school, uh, so we're not going to leave him to work it out, but I don't think he's going to have too much working out to do. Uh, and if that game uh, tomorrow night between Georgia and Norway is a draw, then that will be that. Scotland will be there on the night uh, that we are up against England at uh, Hamden what sort of game is Stevie Clark expecting against the old enemy it will be a competitive friendly if you, if you can have such a thing I think both teams will want to win uh, obviously the boys from both sides uh, interact with each other at different clubs they, they come across each other all season so both sides will want the bragging rights here's Callum McGregor on the big game it's a historic fixture um, like you said boys are looking forward to it off the back of a really good result the other night. Um, so everyone's excited, can't wait for the game. To be honest, I think the best way to show it is to try and do it in every game, you know, not just this one. Um, because if you don't perform in the other games and then you come and you perform in this one, then it doesn't really count for much. So I think the reason that the group have got better and better and, and managed to pick up some really good results is because of the work that we're doing every time we come away, becoming more cohesive in terms of you know, collectively as performances go by, then we're getting more and more confident. And like you said, tomorrow night is, is just another uh, chance for us to show that and to show our quality um, in a big game against a big opponent. So, you know, it's exciting for the players. Callum McGregor, a serial collector of trophies. And there was another trophy for uh, your old team, Peter, the other night at uh, Brayhead Arena, one of the great venues. Uh, apart from the fact the carpet kept coming up in the mi in the middle of, <laughs> middle of games, uh, but Celtic beat Hibs in the final to get their hands on that uh, Scottish Masters Cup, and uh, Gary Hooper uh, certainly grabbed the eye the other night as a guy who actually at the age of thirty five still looks pretty much the way he did when he was at Celtic body wise. He looks he looks much the same, and also what was very familiar was his ability to put the ball in the back of the net. Really good. Yeah, you never lose that, you know. The thing is, you obviously lose your fitness, but 35 nowadays, it's not old, Rob. No. I mean, even I finished my career at Bournemouth, I was 37, 38, and I would never see we had all the stuff that you had in previous. Mm. But if you look after yourself and you do your job properly, Teddy Sheringham, 40 years of age, played with West Ham in the Premier League with us. You know what I mean? So it just tells you, you can look after yourself and still have that. You don't lose the quality, you lose the fitness, as I say, but at 35... I'm sure he could still put the ball in the back of the net for some teams who were looking for a goal sco scorer because that was one thing he had a fantastic knack of doing. Yeah, he was jokingly talking about a return to a return to Celtic. Um, 
And I mean, he, he's just he's just always been a, a natural born goal scorer. His time in Scotland wasn't that wasn't that lengthy, but but when he was here, he made some impact. Stephen, didn't he? Yeah, I, I'm just laughing at someone catching the eye of the Celtic scouts playing in the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I thought Gary Hooper. I played against Gary Hooper um, the season. The, he was Championship top goal scorer down the road. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was brilliant and I thought when he signed for Celtic it was a club absolutely made for him um, a club that dominate create loads of chances and they've got a natural uh, goal scorer at a, a good age and I think he bought into it up here he was absolutely brilliant for Celtic I think he scored big goals against Rangers in Europe he, he did everything you could ever want of a Celtic striker sometimes when players leave Celtic and Rangers you say ah, it was time to go Virgil van Dijk it was time for him to go down south and you knew there was a with Gary Hooper at the time it was just like don't go just stay here it, you were, it was almost I know he's not from Glasgow but it was almost as if you were born to play for Celtic it was, everything just fat um, he could have been as you say it wasn't that long a period he could have been a sensational Celtic player over a long time you know how popular he was with the fans so I wonder if he does regret moving um, don't want to say anything disrespectful to Norwich with Peter across from me but <laughs> I wonder if he ever regrets that because I, I just felt no you stay at Celtic it's, it's it's made for you and you can keep getting better and you're, you're the talisman in that Celtic team I think one other player I just want to make a quick mention for it was great it was th- about 3,000 people in the Brayhead Arena it was a great atmosphere and the, the old it just took me back to the old tenant sixes and, and all, <laughs> all, all those amazing days those were exciting games that was an exciting tournament wasn't it and Chris Commons was another one who grabbed the eye the other night he is not in the same shape that he was when he was playing and he was a pretty chunky boy at that stage but sometimes when you're a good enough player Peter you don't have to do too much running about and some of his touches were absolutely amazing absolutely and there was no doubt he's a talented boy Chris people used to say he wasn't fit enough he never done enough running didn't do this that's why clubs were always questioning when they played him they thought he was too much of a liability because you need to have everybody to play you know against certain teams especially down in England but you can't carry one man in that number and they tried to find him as a number 10 or whatever but he played with Celtic he produced big moments he played with Derby and all that he produced big moments there's no doubt of that and as I say with the talent with the ball at his foot he was as good as anyone he done really well with Hibs for a period of time and you say to yourself that talent always stays there probably disappeared for the game too quickly in my eyes for the talent that he did have and whether that's sometimes down to misfortune or I don't know his injury background anything like that but for me for, to disappear as quickly with the talent he had but as you say I'm sure going to the that's why I never played it because I didn't I take it too serious that camper had been ripped up we couldn't do slight tackles on it <laughs> I know there was, there, was a, there was a fair bit of wrestling uh, going on actually the doing the tenant six, I was like yeah. nope I can't I'm not playing in that you yeah. know because I was still too serious and I didn't like anything for that <laughs> I know exactly. I can imagine the atmosphere might have been a little bit different if you were around. Uh, let's get back to Callum McGregor and talking about how Scotland has evolved as a team. Yeah, evolving all the time. Just like I said there, you know, I've had some some big results since then. Um, looking really comfortable at this level, home and away, um, getting good results. So again, like I said, it's 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 just another opportunity for us to to show how far we've come. The group's obviously progressed and changed a little bit in terms of faces since since the last game, but. Um, we'll try and draw on that experience the ones that, that played in that game and, and we aim for a positive performance and result tomorrow night There's always been a lot of talk about Callum McGregor and about whether he should have moved to England I mean I know he played for Notts County way back um, but obviously in the last few years there must have been opportunities for him to, to play in England I guess he'll quite enjoy tomorrow night the, the opportunity to, to show what he can do against some of England's best players 
Yeah, I thought in the game you're speaking about down at Wembley in the Euros, I think that's still one of Callum McGregor's best ever performances. Yeah, I know Billy Gilmore grabbed the headlines that night, but I thought Callum McGregor, as he does sometimes, just went so under the radar for how good he was, totally controlled the game. And I think he speaks about the evolution of, of the team and you can only think back to that game when we won the midfield battle that night and it was um, McGregor, Gilmore and John. We've now added McTominay, who's the best goal scorer in Europe at the minute into that. <laughs> so I think the evolution is with like things like McTominay getting into that midfield and adding what he's added in terms of athleticism. He, he's, he's added goals to the team. You look at Aaron Hickey coming in, he looks as if he's been the Scotland right back for the last 10 years, the way, the way he just comes in in a consistent 7 out of 10 every game. So we are, there's no doubt England are going to face an even better Scotland team than they did that night at Wembley, but we are obviously aware of, well aware of, the, as I say, they've got Bayern Munich striker, they've got Real Madrid's best player at the minute, so um, no doubt in England they've got better as well. Do you think Scott McTominay is going to get himself back into the Man United thinking, Peter, just because of what he's doing with Scotland at the moment, the performances, the goals? I mean, can you really be leaving that out of your team, even if you're Man United? I think the biggest problem, Scott, he came through the system. And sometimes you'll find that they're the easy ones to criticise. The one thing when I look at Manchester United, I think they lack energy at times. You know, the, the, the people say they get run over in the middle of the field. The one thing you're not going to do with Scott is run over the top of him. You're not going to outrun him. You're not going to be physical with him. He's good at set plays defensively. He's, he's good at set plays attacking. People say maybe his receiving skills is not the best. He's not an Ericsson receiving possession of the ball. He's, he's no dummy on the ball, but uh, he's not an Ericsson in the respect of that as a playmaker. But he's a hell of he's got more positives than negatives. And I think someone with Scott in the team. Listen, when Man United were even poorer than what they are at this moment in time, as in I've not seen them much this season, but when they were poorer, he was the shining light. He was the one that was rising above all the mediocrity because he was the one yeah. that would try and go on the ball. He was the one that would try and get in the box, try and do things. Whether it was good, bad or indifferent, he never had. And what a fantastic thing that is to have as a young player. No matter how the performance is, you go there. And he was our best player during that. All of a sudden, you have all these the names coming in, and it's slightly different, and people look at you slightly different. For me, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind he'd be a great signing for anyone in the Premiership because I think he could add something to him. He could Put it this way. He could play for Liverpool because people say they end up, they've no got energy and they don't have people that run forward. He can do that. He can get on the ball, in the box. He can get in the box and score a goal. He can do that. So, and then England, eh, Liverpool like to play that way, that midfield runners, and we weren't just sitting off the game. Midfield runners getting in and flooding, supporting the front three. Klopp's team like that. So he could play for a Liverpool. Maybe Manchester City slightly different. But Manchester United, for me, they, they look as if they lack energy. I don't know if that comes around the stadium, the negativity around the stadium. But as I said, prior to that happening before, during that period, Scott was a shining light and everybody was talking about how good he was. Now, all of a sudden, it's easy to point and say, oh, we still get him and we still get Fred. And I know Fred's just left and we're getting back to that again. And then people start to believe it. That's the problem. When they hear it so often, they start to believe it. And I think it's an indictment on the kid because he's, he's a terrific player. Thoroughly deserves everything he's getting and I think he's get, he'll get better and better. And remember, he was a centre-forward and as a youth player, he missed, I think it was two or three seasons, he missed at the one time and then all of a sudden come back as a midfield player when he was at Manchester United as a youngster. So he's had a lot of adversity and I think that's why he plays with such excitement, drive, determination, guts and never hides because he knows he's seen the other side of it and he's not had been able to play football through injury. 
and I think he's reaping his rewards for that and long may it continue with Scotland but I hope it becomes I think Man United see at the end of the window when they were all talking about clubs coming in for him all of a sudden I think oh and I've heard that Manchester United sort of went a wee bit negative oh no he can't go anywhere mm. I think you see that because I, I know when being his coach at uh, Scotland how well he trained in the respect of that he gave everything in the training field so I'm expecting that'll be the same way on Manchester United and sometimes all of that plus the match day is worth its weight in gold especially when there's a negativity going around everything else that he has that enthusiasm for the game because people should never ever underestimate having enthusiasm to play a game at football and that guy's got that in abundance I was just checking his age there Stephen he's 26 so I mean could be he could be a Scotland player for the next 10 years potentially and, and the fact that he's suddenly scoring goals at a ridiculous rate of knots uh, I mean he was already a good player I mean he you know he obviously had his defensive inadequacies when he was part of the back three great in that middle of midfield area but when he's given a bit of licence to roam up in the attacking areas I mean what a player he could become yeah he's almost grabbed that position in the scruff of the neck when you think of at times they've played Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes or maybe um, one striker with John and Ryan Christie or John and Stuart Armstrong behind he's almost just said no I'm playing I'm, it's me and John behind whatever striker you go with and what a platform it is for him tomorrow night again to to show what he can do to Man United and I mean England the whole of England be watching on but under this current manager I don't see him playing in the near future I think they signed Amrabat not long um, before the window shot they've got Casemiro Eriksson Bruno Fernandes Mason Mount and the manager doesn't seem to feel love him but what I would say about Scott McTominay is if the great Alex Ferguson was still the manager of Man United one would be a better team Miles better team but two Scott McTominay would make 40 appearances every season under Alex Ferguson and that's the biggest compliment I could I could say about Scott McTominay yeah incredible that, incredible that he's not, not not getting near it yeah listen and that's sometimes you're blind when it's under your nose Rob that's mm. the biggest problem with these guys and if, if he had a foreign name would they play that's sometimes the difference you've got and as I say because he's come through the ranks everybody's they look for the negative what he can't do that's why I'm saying he does a hell of a lot of things better he does not so good that's for sure yeah. and as I say he's got a natural infusion for the game along with his talent and if you can combine they two you've always got a chance to play at the top table and I'm glad he's, de he's deserving of and he's getting at this moment and, I, and according to your brother he's McSauce is what, <laughs> is what he's known as um, I don't know how much further he'd want to pry into where, the, where the, the nickname comes from but I mean incredible I mean I guess I mean I heard people uh, talking about the strikers the other night and you know Dykes and Adams there haven't been too many goals from the, the strikers for a while I and mean, I actually think Lyndon Dykes has got a really good strike rate for, for, the, for the games he's played but at the moment it doesn't really matter because we've got your brother on 17 I think it is now um, and and uh, McTominay with six and five. Yeah, catching them really quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is he worried? But I, I think I, I read the same as well. Scotland don't have a world class striker. Who cares if you've got goals in your team? And there's goals in a Scotland team. You even look at um, Portis. Portis isn't six foot five, but he's always been a threat in the, in the opposing box. He's at, he's got his first goal the other night. Obviously, if you get goals from midfield, it, speak about Ryan Christie. You think of one of the iconic Scotland goals over the last few years. It's his goal in, in Serbia. So there is goals in behind that striking, and as you say, Lyndon Dykes, pretty important goal he scored in Norway. So there is goals up there as well. 
Absolutely. Scotland-England tomorrow night should be quite a game on the 150th anniversary of the first ever meeting of those two teams. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. A tailored service where each code is created with the best products and a fair price, no upfront costs. Let's go! Yeah, this game. Then we go for, for a very competitive game against Spain. And then we play France in a, in a friendly match. And then next year after... Hopefully we've been at the the Euros, Euro 2024. Hopefully we've been there. We're going to a Nations League group against another three of the top European sides. So this is where we're at as a as a squad, as a as a team, and this is where you have to challenge yourself and you have to get better. I believe that the, the more you play against the top sides, the better you become. You might suffer a little bit at times, but if you suffer in the right way, you you can only improve. Was that really Stevie Clark thinking so far ahead? Was he was he really talking about fixtures way down the line? And he's your classic one game at a time man as well, isn't he? Uh, but in in reality, he is fully focused on that tomorrow night, Scotland against England. But just talking about the 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 games coming up for Scotland against the the top teams, it's going to be Spain again, of course, the away version uh, in the qualifiers, and then there's a friendly against France coming along as well. All these games will be a great opportunity to match yourself with the best, Stephen. Yeah, I think you're right, Rob. I think he's he'll be thinking about improving in the Euros next summer. I think um, he'll never admit it, but he's got to be thinking about how he's going to go about getting Scotland into the knockout stages for the first time ever. And as I said earlier on the show, I think if we did that, he wouldn't enjoy that. He would immediately go on to how do we qualify for our first World Cup in a long time and. As I say, I just like the way he goes about his business and always punches well over um, what's expected of him. So I think he's the perfect man for the for the job. Yeah, don't go changing would be the, the message to, to Stevie Clark. Some people reckon he's really dull in an aftermatch interview. Uh, no, for me, keep it, play it, play it again, Stevie. Just keep <laughs> keep it going the way you're you're going just now, eh? Perhaps. Listen, he's handled it magnificently well, and listen, it's always good when you're on that vibe. Eh? winning games that's what keeps the wolves away from the door you don't get the hard questions you get the questions not about is it Andy Robertson or is it Kieran Tierney or is it such and such and such and such why are you playing this why are you doing that because when you're winning you're making the right decisions and that's what you've constantly got to do no matter what manager you are nowadays and that's what you've got to do very well you've got a group of players believing in what he says which is so important they're putting in their performances but listen these are good players It'd be great, you're going out there, you know he plays that position with his team. Very rarely now is he swinging it about that guys are not playing in their positions with their teams on a Saturday. You know, you, you, you go back and you look at you look at young Hickey and whatever, they're playing that back three down at Brentford. So when it comes to Scotland, playing right wing back, there's no going for right back to playing wing back. Simple things like that, but they're so, so important because you're comfortable playing in the position that you normally do at your club. And people always used to question when you came, don't become an international player because you're picked for the reason the way you play your club but so many times that's changed um, because of different situations Kieran and Andy Robertson's situation is slightly different because you've got top quality players and you've got to get the two guys in the team but not Kieran as a right back which we've done many many times and for me that, that, that just never ever worked because Kieran always had to come back and his strength and power running forward and creativity from a defensive position was a strength but to play him at right back and I know circumstances dictated but all of a sudden, if you've got a right back there and you're playing Keane Tierney there, that was wrong. That's why you've got to play the, the system that he's ended up playing if these two boys are available to play. We heard earlier on from Gareth Southgate speaking about the uh, 
the Harvey Barnes situation, the Elliot Anderson situation, the uh, tug between the two international bodies, uh, certainly in terms of Elliot Anderson to get him on board. It's going to be interesting to see how that one develops. Here's the England manager talking about tomorrow night's opponents. This is a very good Scotland team. There's no question about that. Um, I think Steve's done a brilliant job. Uh, I really like Steve. He's a very understated guy, um, but he's real competitor and he's an excellent coach so he's done a brilliant job with the team they have some very good players and uh, they're on a really good run so full of confidence it's a it's a great it's a great game tomorrow night here's Stevie Clark on where his squad is at I think for us is just to try and continue to improve I, I speak about it all the time game to game performance to performance obviously we played well in Cyprus we had a good comfortable evening and now we see what we can do against a, a team that's Nominally a pot one team, always in the later stages of major tournaments. That's the that's the benchmark we want to judge ourselves against. We'll find out tomorrow night how close we are. Can I ask what it would mean to you personally to continue your winning streak? We may never know well, what the answer to... Maybe he didn't answer it, actually. Maybe, <laughs> Probably maybe he walked out at that point. You've had, you've had all you're getting. Uh, Stevie Clark there in uh, great form, Scotland in great form. What we're going to do between now and the close of the show, uh, Stephen McGinn and Peter Grant, is uh, get you to pick your team. Um, is it going to be the same team as, uh, as Friday night? Is it going to be radically different? Uh, Stephen, what are you thinking? Um, personally coming into it you're going in and you're thinking right competitive game friendly full blown full boona let's go and win the qualifier and the friendly change it up now we've got to the stage where we've taken care of the qualifier and it's England on the Tuesday <laughs> and I've probably changed my mind back to I would just go full strength team again so yeah. I, I think if it's any other nation other than England getting into this friendly I think some of the squad players are given a chance some of these guys that have been big players for Steve Clark over the last few years some that go everywhere and don't play very many minutes would, would get a start but just with the, the size of the match the occasion um, I think it'll be the same exact same team as Friday night with gunning goals back three of Jack Hendry Portis Kieran Tierney Alan Hickey and Robertson wing backs and the midfield four of Billy Gilmore and McGregor in behind John and McSauce <laughs> <laughs> Shea Adams up front so you're not leaving out McGinn, no? No, I thought about it. <laughs> no. I would have made headlines if you'd excluded him from your selection. I just, so I just think even you're going through the possible changes for the bench and you look at some of these unused subs just from Friday, just the unused subs. I mean, Lewis Ferguson playing mm. every week in Serie A, scored against Juventus. John Suter, Ryan Jack, regulars for Rangers. Um, Scott McKenna, unused sub again. He plays every week for, for Nottingham Forest in the Premiership. So it is a very, very strong squad. So I don't think... I think Steve Clark's got enough money in the bank to do what he likes with the team tomorrow getting in this friendly um, but I just I just think with, with it being England and the occasion I think it might be the same team again Did you? So did you see Adams up front as opposed to Yeah, she Adams, yeah She Adams, yeah. right What about you Peter? I've got a couple of changes Good for you I made sure of that um, No, I'd go with Gunn I'd go with Portis, Henry Tierney at the back obviously Play, play Patterson I'd just like to see him again you know, getting game time I think obviously he plays down south with Everton. He's had his injury problems. Um, Young Hickey's done magnificently well, but it's really difficult to continue to do that wing-back role. It's a real difficult role for a young man. He's not long back for a few injuries as well, so I'd be looking after that one in the respect of that. And Patterson, I want to see where he is. You know, where is mm -hmm. he? He was the player that was in cope control 
all of a sudden he had a few injury problems. So I think it's a chance for him to get that because he's been playing games and the young boy Hickey would know what he can do now. So it'd be good to see that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because because as you as you said there, when Nathan Patterson first came into the Scotland team, we were all kind of saying, right, that's it forevermore, uh, isn't more. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it shows you that's what we're saying about slight injuries. Somebody comes in and that's what you want within the group. People that can come in and replace them very, very quickly and the standard doesn't drop. So I just think the energy sapping for the weather the other evening there, the wing-back role is so, so difficult, you know, to do consistently getting up and down the side of the pitch. So that's the only reason I would look at that, just to have a look at my game, because a wee while since he did a game. So I'd play him there, I'd go with McGregor and Kilmer and Robertson, and then I'd go McDominay, McGinn and Dykes. I'd play Dykes, because you know what Shea Adams, he works really, really hard, but you don't wait Dykes after scoring a few goals, you know, to go think, well, I've came to this trip, I've scored a few goals, and then all of a sudden I'm not playing, you know, sort of thing. And that sometimes goes inside your head because as a striker, you want the opportunities to score. You know, you, but the only way you can do that is being on the football pitch. And then I think if you want to make changes within that, unless Stevie's been told something different, as I'm saying earlier on, about sports science and the clubs dictating, I'd be trying to go as strong as I possibly could. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind of that. And but as I said, play Dykes because... She's slightly different. I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves. You know, the, the work ethic he's got. But I think Dykes may be able to hold him back further back the pitch because he wants to play further up the pitch instead of dropping shorter. And it allows the space for John and Scott McTominay to get into the advanced areas, to get in support with, and knowing that the likes of Callum and that's behind him and that, that security's behind you. And I, I'd like to see that because I think that wouldn't be far away. Apart from obviously probably Ken Patterson, maybe swap round. Dykes would, I think, would still be Steve's number nine, and the big games. If it came a game that you had to win tomorrow, a qualifier in the respect to that, I think Dykes would be starting. You think he's, you think he's the favoured option come come the crunch in the biggest of games? It yes. would be London Dykes. Yes, because I think you went to Norway. I don't think it comes much bigger than that. And if you get a result over there, I think he would have played the game, and uh, he did play the game, obviously. But not just that, he's the set up for the goal. I don't think he get the credit for that. You know the winning goal. Mm -hmm. You know the layback. Yeah. They the, just the, 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 didn't need to take it, and he's taking his stride to score the goal. So we simple things like, but you you want to see him playing. He earned that to be the starter, and that's why I see him playing. And I think if it was a shootout tomorrow that we had to win, I think Dykes would start. They're both good strikers, aren't they? Both really good strikers, and it's incredible to think that they're both in the championship in England. No, um, Dykes obviously played this Spain game as well. Yep. He was excellent in the night. Yeah. There really isn't much between them. It's just what they bring to the. In fact, they probably both bring the same kind of hold up play and strength and. But both quite different in yeah, lots of ways they, as well. They do it in a different style. Uh -huh. um, from playing that against Lyndon Dykes and playing against Shea, Big Lyndon uses his elbows a bit more than, than Shea <laughs> yeah. does. But yeah, there's nothing wrong wrong with it when he's in your team. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's probably a little, very little in it um, in terms of who would start a cup final if. First caller is right next summer if we've got the cup final to look forward to. There's probably not much in it and it's just personal preference for Steve Clark on the day. Is he more of a pain in the backside, do you think, for centre-backs to play against Lyndon Dykes in a more obvious kind of way? You know, he uses his physique a bit more maybe than, than Shea Adams. With him, with him, is it more movement? Yeah, Lyndon Dykes was, um, I think going back a few years, it's, I mean, Queen of South had Lyndon Dykes and Stephen Dobie as a strike force mm -hmm. in the Championship and yeah, Stephen Dobie was obviously the goal scorer, but Lyndon Dykes was an absolute nightmare to play against. He would he would start right at the side and he'd just come right across the, the back line and almost so aggressive, win every header. And he was long time linked with Rangers, and you're looking at their kind of forward line just now and thinking what a handful he'd have been for that Celtic defence last Sunday. Um, 
I think he's he'd have been a better option than what I've seen so far at Dessers, and you think maybe that's one that they got away from just within our game. Here's Callum McGregor uh, talking about everything that's happening for Scotland at the moment, uh, but concentration has to be massive in terms of tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Listen, we'll, we'll see what happens elsewhere in the group. You know, our, our focus is now on um, tomorrow night. We'll, we'll prepare well tonight, rest up, and then, you know, it's, it's all about us tomorrow night. Of course, there's another game going on, and and it could turn out to be a significant night for us. But, you know, our full full focus have, has got to be on, uh, on the game at hand for us. And, you know, what a game. Um, so, like I said, the players will, will rest up well tonight and uh, and be looking forward to, to tomorrow night at the kickoff. He's one that probably in the last few days hasn't been getting raved about so much as we've been talking about McGinn and McTominay and, uh, and all the rest of that, that Scotland performance in Cyprus. But he maintains such a level of consistency of excellence Peter doesn't he in that midfield that, that maybe sometimes you do go a bit unnoticed because actually oh here's another 9 out of 10 from McGregor absolutely well listen it tells you the amount of games he plays he's robust he's one of the last guys that's probably had to play all the games when he's a youngster every match he's playing every minute every match now you've got people coming off after 50 minutes week in week out you've got goalkeepers taking cramp <laughs> that tells you mm. Callum's going through 62, 63, 64 games a season winning games getting to the big tournaments winning uh, and cup competition as you say winning league championships but constantly doing it you know and so constantly turning up people were questioning his performances St Johnson didn't have his best game you know but you're, you're a poorer side if you've not got Callum McGregor in it then yeah. he goes into the Rangers game and responds with the performance he had you know he was strolling about Ibrox which if I was a Rangers player I'd have been really disappointed but he was strolling about pulling the strings but he's so important because if you watch the first goal the other night there when John gets the header in and the Scots at the backside you'll see Callum's positional play if anything breaks down or anything breaks away he's in a good position to back the team up and get the ball back and start an attack again and you've, they're so so important for you and I think the problem is he's been so consistent people just expect off him now yeah. that's the difference now with these guys you know and you only notice if he's not a good game. Exactly. <laughs> you know, in a good game for him, it's still outstanding. Uh, sorry, I know it's a good game, it's still him being outstanding, probably positionally. Talking about people on fire, you've been on fire in terms of predictions of late, as you've been reminding us constantly. <laughs> uh, what about tomorrow night? I'm going to go for a 2-1 Scotland, believe it or not, tomorrow night. I think Scotland will nick it tomorrow night. I think they've just got that feel-good factor around about them. And probably that's why I'd say about Lyndon Dykes, because I think if you... Put me to you say over Shea's work ethic is magnificent, does really well, needs a lot of strength. I think Lyndon Dykes has got more of a goal threat in him and scores more goals in him. So I'm thinking Dykes to score, Scotland to win 2-1 two, one. Two, one. Uh, tomorrow night. Stephen? Uh, I'd be a fool not to thank Copy, Peter, if he's, <laughs> if he's form. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go 2-1 Scotland. Some would say you'd be a fool <laughs> too, Copy, uh, to be honest. Well, we have total agreement in the studio on 2-1 Scotland tomorrow night. We're back uh, tomorrow, 5-7. till seven. Speak to you then. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. A tailored service where each quote is created with the best products and a fair price, no upfront costs. Let's go! Looking to reduce your energy bills? Global Eco Energy install renewable energy products to domestic, commercial and public sector customers with a wide range of renewable energy products including solar PV, battery storage and air source heat pumps we offer bespoke solutions for a free quote and to find out more about grants and funding options go to global-eco.co.uk and quote Solar 10 for 10% off your installation available until 30th September 2023